So see if you can hear the envy in my voice when I talk to Rory Scholl about his bohemian lifestyle. Rory is a comedian, a writer, and an actor in New York. He actually has so many different gigs, we only scratched the surface in this conversation. Way back when, when I was making student films, I would rope Rory in as talent, because he's talented, and as you'll hear, he's pretty much game for anything, whether that's playing an airline seat or trying to make Lenny Bruce kid-friendly. So without further ado, here's Rory. I'm Dave Austin, and who are these people? Say something. Uh, do you have the... Can you hear me? Yeah, and I'm rolling. Did you, have, did you make sure that... Oh, okay. Uh, oh, shit. Oh, fuck. A lot exactly. of sci-fi ideas are becoming real now. Yeah. It's like Barbarella's tongue box. Yellow. Yeah. Yellow. It is therapeutic. The last generation to be raised without the internet. Yeah. The first generation to jump into the internet. What, what does it mean? Like, did it really even happen? Hi, Rory. Hell yeah. Hi, David. How the hell are you? <laughs> I'm fantastic. You know, that's my, the- my first question for you. That's my question is, are you living the life? Uh, I'm living a life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, man, you are living the life. You're living the bohemian yeah. lifestyle that I, I used to dream about. Tell oh, me. that's true. Tell, Tell me you. all about it. All, the, all of its magical... <laughs> well, I don't have an alarm clock, and I walk my cat on a leash, so those are cool things. Wow. You don't have an alarm clock? I try not to use one yet. So you actually just can wake up wherever you, whenever you want? Uh, yeah, yeah. Whenever your body okay, tells you that you want to wake up? That's when I wake up, yeah. I usually crash around 3 in the morning and wake up around now, which would be 11, or so. Wow. Yes, okay. you are you are living the life. Congratulations, oh, yeah. my friend. Thanks. Now, I eat ramen a lot, but other than that. <laughs> well, you know, you've got to watch out that ramen. I don't, you know, it's it's good every once in a while, but if you if you if it's too big a percentage of your diet, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Yeah. No. Well, luckily I mean, I'm, I live right by a couple dollar slice places here, so <laughs> I mix it up. Okay, well, that's, uh, let me kind of frame things here a little bit. You live in New York, and okay, yes. you're, you're pretty active on social media, uh, and I'm friends with you on Facebook. I follow you on Twitter. So I, I kind of know what's happening, which is the creepy part of social media because, like, we hardly ever talk. But you just moved, yeah. <laughs> I know you, you just moved into a new apartment, right? In Astoria, Queens, yeah. right? Whoa, whoa, man! Yeah, <laughs> this is big data coming at you, Big Brother. So, and before that, what part of New York were you living in before you moved to Astoria? We just moved two blocks away. I was in Astoria. I've been in Astoria now for six years. But our old landlord wanted the uh, apartment for herself, so I see. she took it. Yeah. And in your old neighborhood, which is two blocks away, you had a bodega guy that you would frequent, right? Yeah. Tell For me those of you who don't live in New York, bodegas are like delis. So. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, uh, a bodega is a little uh, deli. Usually owned, it's by it would have to be either a Mexican or a Central American or something, right, to be called a bodega mm-hmm. properly. Yeah. Yes. 
Sometimes they have Bodega Cats, sometimes they do not. This one did not. But, yes, there was a guy back there named Juan who would make my sandwiches, and we became pretty good friends because when I first moved in there, I went to a Mets game, and he is a Mets fan, and I gave him the calendar I got at Get Calendar Day. So we bonded fast. Wow, thanks so to he the would Mets. Me, yeah, thanks to the Mets. <laughs> Winning with the Mets. Who knew? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And so and he you would see make Juan it. anymore? Have, if, do you miss Juan already? I do because I'm, I mean, there's like bodegas every other hundred feet here, so mm-hmm. I don't have to go over to that one. But I'll visit. I'll make a pilgrimage two blocks away. And what are some of the because things he, Juan would do special for you? Oh well, he made me uh, my own version of pancakes. He called man cakes, <laughs> which is very nice. <laughs> He would make my sandwiches with condiment hearts, like put little hearts and arrows mm-hmm. <laughs> with mayonnaise and ketchup. Yep. He'd come next door, and because uh, I was literally next door, in the, right in the same building, and to my bedroom window, and like talk to my cat. Really? So I, I did. I did for a little bit think he was he was going to murder me, but <laughs> now that he moved, I, I think hopefully he won't. But that's nice to have that kind of personal touch on on your daily, you know, your daily needs, your oh, yeah. coffee and your sandwiches and uh, all that kind of stuff. Oh, it's great, yeah. And that's uh, the story is like that too. Like I get the same thing with like my comic book guy, and there's my unusual bartenders and my uh, barbers, and there's a comedy club like right down the street from me that I do shows at. So I get, the days I don't actually have to go into Manhattan are great, and I just kind of tootle around as like the faux mayor of Astoria, so it's it's fine. All right, the faux mayor of Astoria. Um, you should be the real mayor. But, uh, okay, let me, yeah. for Too other many people. skeletons in the closet, too <laughs> many skeletons. So, yeah, let me just frame this for everybody who may not know you, although who doesn't know Rory Scholl? So you, do, huh? you yeah. are living the life. You work as like a stand-up comedian, a, um, a performer, an actor. Mm-hmm. You live in uh, Queens, and you work throughout the whole, all of New York City, right? All five boroughs? Right. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've been here in New York for 16 years, and I've never once been to Staten Island. So. <laughs> well, okay, that's the one that nobody needs to go to unless you're like, you know, well, we won't go there. Um, and, uh, yeah, you have like this, so you get to just... Sleep late, stay up late. You have a you go to bars. You you do like trivia nights. You have all these kind of fun parties. Um, you uh, imbibe cannabis when and whenever and wherever you feel like it. You're correct. Yeah, and uh, um, <laughs> and now you. What do you got going on today? Today is a rare day off. The whole day I've got nothing to do. Oh, well, that was a good day for this. day off as well, so we're just going to have dinner with some friends later, a little sushi at a place around the corner. Nice. Maybe take our cat, our cat for a walk, and, uh, you know, our apartment you, still has boxes and some rooms, so we'll put those put, put the place together. Do you actually take your cat on a walk, or are you exaggerating? No, we walk him, yeah, on a harness. <laughs> and the cat he likes loves it. it? He loves it? Loves it. Yeah, yeah, he'll climb trees in it, so it's like walking a balloon. All of a sudden, he'll just go like straight up. Um, yeah, he loves it. We're gonna get him business cards because people stop all the time and want to take pictures of him. So we just want to give him a card that says Valentino. That's a good walker. idea. Hey, there you go. Yeah. So, um, what else is going on? I saw Bohemian lifestyle too. I'm telling you, he was almost on Sesame Street. Valentino was. 
Yeah. How did that? And what well, what happened? Why isn't he on Sesame Street? There was a casting notice on one of the Facebook pages in the, one of the improv theaters I play at. And they were like, does anybody have a cat that walks on a leash? And everybody's like, Rory, Rory, Rory. So I submitted. They were going to use him. And at the very last minute, they used their producer's cat. But ah, nepotism. Fuck that producer's cat. That would have been a sweet gig. Yeah. So I saw uh, also recently you performed as Lenny Bruce for Lenny Bruce's family. Yeah, it was crazy. What is up with that? Yeah, again, just at one of the theaters, um, uh, somebody came to a show and uh, needed a Lenny Bruce impersonator for his his cousin, who was turning like 80. Is David Bruce or something uh-huh. like that, and then like he had some other like second cousins and extended family, and uh, my friend Jay recommended me, and um, I said yes before I knew it was Lenny Bruce's family because oh, okay. I would say yeah, I always say yes to the gig and then figure out how to do it later. Right. But then once I once I found out that uh, after the, the initial call that this was actually his family, I was like, oh fuck, <laughs> you know, that's that's no pressure. Well, but, had, you, uh, had you ever done Lenny Bruce before? Had you ever like? Once, once in an improv show, maybe like seven years ago, I improvised as him, but not, not in any professional way. So yeah, yeah. And so how? Do- but I went out there. And, yeah, it went great. They they dug it. Um, how did you prepare? Um, I got arrested, and uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you said you said a lot of filthy things on stage, right? And yeah, um, I just watched a yeah. I just went like down a Lenny Bruce rabbit hole one night. Mm-hmm. Just did it, um, and now like I'm totally inspired. Like I got the thumbs up from his family, so now I'm like, all right, rent me out as a Lenny Bruce impersonator now, for your parties. Now that's great. But now, um, I okay, I am of course aware of Lenny Bruce, his his place in history and everything, and um, I've like listened to. I've never like gone through and listened to an album of his from beginning to end. I've listened to enough, I think, in the past where, to the point where I'm like, okay, I get where he's coming from. You know, I kind of yeah. see, I kind of get the gist of it. But um, otherwise, he, he's pretty obscure, and like my idea of even what he looks like is kind of hazy. I mean, do you even look like Lenny Bruce at all? Ah, uh, aside from the fact that I'm a white dude with hair. <laughs> um, Nah, no, not really. Did you I mean, do close his enough, accent? I guess, to do it, yeah, he's just kind of like he's just kind of like an old school, like New York kind of kind of Bronxy accent. Yeah. But, uh, uh, it was more like an homage to the material because mm-hmm. they, they, I also did five minutes as George Carlin, and I looked nothing like George Carlin either. So, but uh, um, yeah, no, he was great, and he's more of like a. Uh, like it's just a rabble rouser. Like he, like today, I don't know if it would really go over, you know, with right. everything. Like things, especially things with his changed so much. The, yeah, yeah. His, his message is still good. Like yeah. he's big into the First Amendment. He's big into you know uh, not trusting the government mm-hmm. and saying what you mean. But um, you know he's not as politically correct with <laughs> with his slangs. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. this is we are talking like fifty year, fifty plus years ago that he was performing. So, right. Yeah, it was a different world, and um, I, I, I seem to have caught wind that there was some sort of controversy amongst all the online outrage industry or whatever that, uh, oh, Lenny Bruce is not funny, you know, and and some sort mm-hmm. of like kind of people 
publicly not appreciating him, like going to the point of publicly saying they don't appreciate him. But isn't that, I mean, that's really just that things have changed. The, the whole prism that we view comedy through has changed so much that it, mm-hmm. it's just, it's more like he's from another time, you know? Like it, Yeah. So which of his jokes did you latch on to that still work today? Um, I kind of, because they, and this is the weird part, because they have kids there, so they're like, mm. let's make it like, kind of kid-friendly, but then they wanted me to do George Carlin, Lenny Bruce, and Don Rickles, so I was like, okay, okay. You know, kid-friendly kid for all of them? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I did like, you know, I slipped up with some of the language, of course, you, you just can't help it, but I did a whole thing about marijuana, I did this whole thing about first his First Amendment, he does an impression of kids getting hooked on a, on aeroplane glue, <laughs> uh, so... That was kind of a fun little bit to do, and then um, a bit uh, about how Hollywood and this was back then. Hollywood is like not good to minorities and exploitation, just for exploitation's sake, and you know, just a bunch of different things where where I kind of skirted the language, but got his points across. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So you're going to be doing a lot more of Lenny Bruce now through. I know I'd like to. through the it's Bruce fun. family. <laughs> there's a fan. There's a show up here, uh, an improvised show called. Uh, Dead Talks, which is a take on TED Talks. Right. And it's uh, people who do impression, impersonations of dead celebrities, and we improvise uh, different TED Talks that were given. Oh, topics. that is a good idea. I like that. Yeah, so we're going to do that in the fall. You're going to do a, a, Bruce, uh, a Lenny Bruce TED, TED Talk? Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. With, the, with the whole PowerPoint presentation and everything? Yeah, I think, I think they give you everything to improvise with. So, yeah. It's, <laughs> That's great. Who who are some other people that your friends have done for that? Uh, my friend Jay does Elaine Stritch, which is hilarious. Elaine Stritch, uh, wow. Okay, that's a name I haven't heard in a while, but yeah, I know who she is. That that it's it's yeah. registered. I can see her face. Yeah, still uh, like Broadway, Broadway Biddy. She very, well, I think she very was like brassy. when she died. Yeah, she played Alec Baldwin's mom on Thirty Rock. Oh right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, my uh, friend Adrian's doing David Bowie. Okay, great. yeah. Recently yeah. dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Rory, <clears throat> we've known each other a long time. Yeah. Now, I met you because of you were friends with my younger brother, Andrew, right? I'm, I'm sure mm-hmm. that must have been it, right? Yeah. We were in a band together. The Four Grey Sleepers, was that it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Four great sleepers, yeah. And uh, did you guys meet in high school still, or was it in college? Yeah, no, it was uh, high school. Did you go to Plano in, uh, East Senior High, or were you... Yeah, I graduated in 90. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you were also a Pesh kid. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. As was I. Did you grow up in Plano your whole life? Uh, I moved when I... When I was in seventh grade, so pretty much. Where were you before that? Before that, uh, Grand Prairie, Texas, for a year, and then before that, it was in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Was where oh. I was born. Okay, yeah. so what what brought your family from Pennsylvania to Grand Prairie? They wanted to get away from their family. <laughs> they thought Texas was just far enough. But my <laughs> my dad had a friend who worked in um, somewhere in Texas and got mm-hmm. him a gig. So. I say gig. He was an accountant. He didn't have gigs. He had jobs. Oh, your dad was an accountant. Yeah. So's yeah. my dad. What do you know? What? 
Yeah. And um, now when I met you, you were kind of like, well, the way I thought of you when I met you is that you were like a young folky. That's how you were pre- presenting yourself. You know, you had your acoustic guitar, um, your curly hair, your rosy cheeks. <laughs> yeah. But um, were you really more of like a theater kid or a comedy kid, music, or just a performer? How did you think of yourself? I didn't, I, I didn't just a slacker in slacker, high school. Yeah. Like, even when I was in theater, I didn't like, we would go to those UIL tournaments. Remember those where you had yeah. to compete against other high schools? And I never prepared for it until we were on the bus there. So I was just kind of coasting. Uh-huh. Um, but then we started doing music. I, got, I started playing guitar with uh, with Nicoly Schwab, our friend right. Nicoly. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was that was that was fun. It was great. I enjoyed it. But I enjoyed getting on stage and talking in between songs more. So I was I like, see. oh, I think I'm just yeah. So then I started doing stand up right uh, like a year later out of high school. Well, then when were you? So you were doing stand up all through college then? Yeah, I didn't go to college. Those would have been my college years, I guess. Oh. So I was doing the band and then stand up on the side and then and then stand up took off for me a little. Oh, uh, in the early '90s. Okay, well, see, and that's just so funny how I project things because I, you were in Denton at the same time I was, and I was in college. I just assumed you were in college too, but um, no, I went there for the band, man. Everybody else went to college. I was there for the band. But then you were doing stand up at that time. No, I was in the band for the a year there, and then after a year, I moved back to Plano, mm-hmm. and then I started doing stand up then. But I still was playing with Nickley and, and the and the group right. too. I was doing both at the time then. Where were you doing stand up? <laughs> Open mics like in Dallas and stuff, or what? Yeah, uh, there's actually I had to drive to Fort Worth. It was a club called the Funny Bone. There was uh-huh. the Funny Bone, and then there was the Funny Bone, the Funny Corporation or something like that. They were both in Fort Worth. So. Funny Bone Comedy. Funny Bone oh, Comedy funny. Club. Awful, awful. Isn't that awful? But that's one of that those things. The worst commercial. It's burned oh. into my brain, though. It's like one of those things. I have sung that to my kids just because it's yeah. one of those things that has come into my head and it will never go away. So yeah. as awful no, as it is, it is damn yeah. effective. The whole commercial is funny bone comedy, funny bone comedy club, and then they get a close up of the guy's face holding a microphone, and he just looks in the camera and says, "I would have paid her four hundred dollars just to clean it." Funny bone comedy. It's like, what? What is the setup there? What is the setup? Have you ever run across the the setup to that joke? No, I have no idea. Are we supposed to come to the club and find out? That's not how that works. <laughs> Uh, so when did you go to when did you move to New York? In two thousand and three. Oh, post nine eleven. Yeah. Post nine eleven, I was working uh, for American Airlines at the time. Really doing what? I was, I was their mascot. <laughs> oh, but I knew you had that gig. But yeah. did you get that gig? And is that that's what brought you to New York, or you got you came to New York and got that gig? No, I got the gig in Dallas because American Airlines is based right. in Irving. And, uh, right. So I had it for two years where I would travel, and we came to New York quite a bit. And then one one time we came up here and we did a, an event with the – because so the mascot costume was an airline seat. Yes. I was spokesman 12A, dressed like an airline seat with a hole cut out in the back so I could talk. 
And the whole gimmick was there's more leg room in coach because I quit and walked off the plane. So we did a thing with the Rockettes up here where the Rockettes actually sat on me in various places around Manhattan. And you had to get on the website and guess where we were to get free tickets. And I was like, I, I'm moving here. So that's it. And that is, I've got to say, that is a brilliant idea. Whatever, Whoever the ad man is who came up with that. It, to, yeah. to have the mascot be the airline seat and then get the Rockettes to sit on you is mm-hmm. a stroke of genius. And I've seen some of these pictures. Maybe I'll, I'll try and post some on, on yeah, this episode yeah. if you can send some to me. <laughs> so <laughs> I just – okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Am I confusing okay. you with someone else? Did you also do some stuff with Mark Cuban in Dallas? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Mark Cuban, that was around the same time. That was in like 2001, 2002. Yeah. Mark Cuban had a, his Mark, the Mark Cuban talk show, which was just awful. But I was one of the writers and, and uh, performers, and we had a character called Buff Tanner. Do you remember that right, guy? Right, yeah. I saw that. I've, I've seen it online. I didn't At the time you were doing it, I was not aware of it. But I, since then, I yeah. think I've, went, I've gone down some Rory Scholl rabbit holes on, online, and I think I've watched some Buff Tanner uh, yeah, digitized masterpieces. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And well, you must have had a blast. You must have had a blast doing great, that. Dude. Yeah, because yeah, Mark Cuban's great, man. He's just us with a billion dollars. So he really yeah. is a, a cool guy. I, I really like working with him. You know, uh, all right. Let me just talk a little bit about Mark Cuban. He is okay. Everyone knows he's a billionaire, but mm-hmm. what's funny is that because we're from Dallas, like I know why he's a billionaire. He's a billionaire because of Radio.com. Editor's note, I said Radio.com. That's actually not the correct one. It was Audionet and Broadcast.com. So whenever you hear me say Radio.com, know that it's actually Broadcast.com. Thank you. Which was in the yeah. 90s. Which is, this was made him a billion dollars. He decided to put radio on the internet. Which is, it's like totally taken for granted now. Like nobody even thinks about that. But he wanted to listen to like sports games from like out of market high school and college and and other kinds of sports on radio. He wanted to be able to listen to it around the country. So he put it on the radio and then he he created a company called Radio.com. That's right, right, Radio.com. And then sold it for like a billion dollars or something. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. You know, it's like talk about the right place at the right time. Because if he had not done that, someone would have done that. Like it's oh, just yeah. in, it's inevitable. But he got there, and then God bless him. You know, he's Dallas's own billionaire, mm-hmm. owner of the Dallas uh, Mavericks. Mavericks, yep. And um, political pundit now, and. Ex talk show host, friend of friend of uh, the Worm, uh, Dennis Rodman, and mm-hmm. um, host of Shark Tank. Host of Shark Tank, Shark. yeah, exactly. And uh, so, what? And at that time, you when you were doing that show, that was during the dot com boom. So, was it like was money flowing, or was it just kind of like a goof off? I don't even think we got paid for it. Actually, you didn't I think get paid. Oh, shit. No. Well, no wonder he's a millionaire. I, yeah, that's how you do it. That's mm-hmm. uh, I think we got free tickets and stuff like that to games, which was fine. But mm-hmm. at the time, I was like, I'm working with Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki and Mark Cuban. It was fun. It was super fun. So. Right. Okay, so then, then you got the gig as the the, the coach seat. And um, yeah. 
so what was it like meeting the Rockettes and being sat upon by them? Yeah, it was as good as it sounds. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were. I remember we were doing one a, a, a picture out in front of Sardi's here in Times Square, and the Rockettes sitting on me around New York, paparazzi's all around, and they're like, "Rory, are you okay?" I was like, "Okay, I'm fantastic." You know, this is, yeah, great. <laughs> that lasted for like. Two years, I was this close to being like mascot for life. Like they were really roll, they were ready to roll out dolls and you know, uh, uh-huh. doll posters and like we we're gonna do commercials. And then American Airlines laid off like three hundred thousand people. So they're like, if they see we you were using money for this, they'll they'll kill you. I was like, I, I was willing to take that chance, but it was like, yeah, and, that's yeah. just what they told you, anyhow. I'm sure. So yeah. Uh, were you? Are you SAG? Uh, SAG after? Do you get union rates on all your stuff? I'm not. No, mm-mm. because most of the stuff I do is 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 live, and it's touring, and it's at little smaller theaters. And it's you know, so I'd, I've never joined the, so the never union. Got, I'm hoping that changes. Yeah. But. So you've never got cast on anything that required a union membership that would have got you a union card. A couple of things, but you need like three things to get in. I think I've only been on like one, one or oh, two shit. in the past ten years. Yeah, which is fine. Which is you know, which means I can do like the like. There's a weird thing that if you are SAG, then you can't do. Like I wouldn't be able to do a lot of the improv shows I hear right. I do here if they were paid. Yeah, free ones are fine. Paid ones, especially if they're or, or like even halfway scripted. There's like a real fine line there. Mm. So, so uh, you doing all right? You getting you getting enough paid work? Yeah, I actually I have a cruise ship gig this summer, so oh, I'll be really? gone for three months. Yeah, what, cruising in the Caribbean or what? Yeah, Miami to Turks and Caicos and the Caribbean. Yeah, I have in a three friend. months. I'll be doing improv, improv there. Oh, for, it, so it'll be uh, an improv group, not not just yeah, stand up. Like a splinter of a sec, some Second City guys have a troupe called Beer Prov, and it's okay. short form improv games. So. We'll be doing that six nights a week, and then the days to do whatever. Well, what do you want to talk about? I've got, I've got other questions for you, but what's on Rory Scholl's mind right now? <laughs> I need health insurance. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no. I, um, nothing, nothing's, on, nothing's on my mind, Dave. That's the whole point. Uh, that's the problem. <laughs> you did write a feature film script. Um called uh character assassin yeah yeah uh how's that going is that is that going to get made anytime soon uh no <laughs> probably not <laughs> i can't use i can't use that whole experience in storytelling now i do some storytelling shows yeah i i uh, it, you have like a very imp- emotional story around it because you featured a real life character actor as a character in yeah. the film and then that character actor passed away, and right. you are still friends with like the widow, right? Is that is that yeah? Sum it yeah. up. Okay. Yeah, if you look it up to yeah, James, his name is James Redborn. I don't, you're not going to know the name probably, but if if you Google James Redborn, you'll know mm-hmm. him. He's in every everything, and yeah, he we became friends with him. He loved the script, and then uh, literally two months after he read it, he passed away. And he was going to come out and do a reading with us and everything. So, so you know, okay. we, we, we I rewrote it um, with another actor, but I don't know. It's not the not really the same thing. Well, I won't spoil it for people. I'll let them experience that themselves because it is it is a heartwarming story. I, you, did you get interviewed from by like a 
news online news or there was there a blog post about it where did i read that whole story of the uh james Red oh uh, it was with um autism speaks because um oh yeah, yeah. the person that based, based the character around the the, uh, the other character mm-hmm. is based off my who has uh, Asperger's, and so and he was actually friends with James Ramporn, which was how he came up with the whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so Autism Speaks interviewed me about it, and that's where that's where the whole thing is. But yeah, yeah, I tell that story. I do a lot of storytelling shows up here too. With mm-hmm. A company called The Moth and Risk. Actually, the, I have a story. Did you say The Moth? Out. Yeah, The Moth. Okay, the I've moth? heard about The Moth, and I've heard some things on. You know, I've heard people telling stories. Of, is it a place or is that a show? What is The Moth? It's a group, but they have a a podcast as well, and um, it's just a it's a, started I don't know maybe ten years ago. Okay. And it's really taken. It's a it's, it's in a bunch of cities now. It's all around the world, and um, yeah, it's just a bunch of people telling like they're like five minute stories, mm-hmm. and um, uh, it's it's grown pretty big. You've done stories already, and then you're also going to do more, or are you. And you- yeah, and then I started doing it. I'm doing more with Moth, and there's another one called Risk, which is, um, you remember the MTV group The State? Yeah, remember of that? course. Uh-huh. Yeah. So there's a guy in there named Kevin Allison. He was the redhead. Mm-hmm. And then Kevin Allison has a, a podcast himself called Risk, hmm. which is a storyteller. So I'm involved with him, and we're, we have something coming out in the summer called with with Amazon called Amazon Storytellers. Oh, so I'm one of the featured storytellers on there. So I'm going to have some of my stories able to download. I'm going into the studio soon to record me reading them and everything. So I'm excited about that. Nice Amazon Story. And uh, so, are you, do you still see John Cunningham much up there? John Cunningham, Cornmo. I know John. Oh Jesus, that's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, I, I haven't called him John in forever. Yeah, yeah. I see. Actually, I see Cormo a lot because we're I'm I'm writing a um, uh, a jukebox musical based on his songs right now. Are you really? Yeah. We okay. got, yeah. What's a uh, jukebox just musical? Amazing. Oh, I guess the jukebox musical is when they take a band's songs and and turn that into a show. Okay. So, so like a review. Yeah, sort kind of like of a, like Mama Mia or School of Rock right. or not School of Rock. Um, uh, yeah, just but something like that. Right. So, oh, yeah, great. So, How's that going? Yeah, it's super weird, but it's it's really fun. Because um, his songs, you know, Cormo's songs are just... I mean, I had to incorporate, like, you know, the Von Erics. Remember the yes. wrestlers? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of his classics, the Shine On yeah. Golden Warrior. Yeah. So I've got that. I've got the wrestlers involved with uh, with Frankenstein, with Gary Busey, with, like, mm-hmm. a spaceship that crashes, <laughs> and then Time Cop appears every once in a while. So it's trying to make a story out of this has been really fun, but um, I th- we, we have a pretty good plot, so I, I'm, I'm going to be working on that this summer and hopefully put a reading up in the fall. Oh. So yeah, I've been working with... Keep me up to date on that. I mean, I can really see that yeah. as being a great, great review. And um, Oh, yeah. I mean... The Corn Mosical. I think we're calling it the Corn Mosical. <laughs> That's good. And yeah. you know, um, rem- what's the song about Club Kids? That's the... Uh, uh, that's the one about Gary Busey, isn't it? What? No, wait. No, he's got Busey Boy. Busey Boy, right? Doesn't that yeah. talk about club kids in it? What's this? Does it? It might. I don't have because the scene we have, I have Gary Busey as a bouncer at a club, so I think that makes sense. And then he's like, you know, 
people are like, you look just like Gary Busey, and he sings the whole song. But right, um, yeah, I don't know. He's he's and he's you know he's still writing writing more of that. So I'm trying to like incorporate some new stuff in there too. Oh, um, that's great. That makes me uh, that makes me happy to think about that going on. Oh yeah, that, that's gonna be great. The corn musical coming soon. Hey, you just went back to Texas recently, didn't you? Yeah, last week. What uh, was that? Just a family visit, or what? Uh, I had to do a site visit. I'm. I work at this other thing. It's called Accomplice, and it's like a walking tour of New York, where you meet different characters and you uh, uh, solve like mysteries, and you know oh, yeah? they give you clues to your location. Yeah. So I wrote a script for Dallas for a couple of corporations. So I went down there to kind of scout locations to do. And then while I was there, I was like, let's put on a show. So yeah. Just, yeah. Interesting. So, okay. Well, the, the walking tour or whatever sounds interesting. I guess what in Dallas, would it all be downtown Kennedy assassination related or, or did you take a different take on it? No, I took a different, I took it like a, you're solving the mystery of like a murdered barbecue sauce magnet. So. <laughs> That would be more fun. That is good. Yeah. What kind of? What kind of? What are some of the locations you worked around? Uh, like starting in like there's a W Hotel now downtown. Downtown. So you start in like uh, one of their business rooms there to get the like the reading of the will, and then you have to go meet all these other characters that are in the will and things like that. So mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see if we can. Around, yeah. But, but yeah, I just thought while I was in Dallas, I, I put a show up at the Pocket Sandwich Theater, which is nice. Great. What kind of show did you do? Just a bunch of different forms of improv with some of my friends that yep. uh, I haven't seen in a while. John Raleigh and uh, I saw um, that Josh, photo. My friend Josh Martin. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I haven't been back to Dallas in many, many years since before 2006. So, yeah, a long yeah. time. I've heard it's changed yeah. a lot. Yeah, their uh, light rail system's pretty good. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's about time, but I, I'm I'm happy yeah. for them. I wish it had been around when I lived there, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it only went from like Lovers Lane to Mockingbird when I was there. It's like that's five blocks, but now it goes like you can get get all the way down to downtown Plano and all the way to DFW. So it's crazy. That is crazy. Well, so Roy, what do you want to talk about politics at all? Sure. Because I'm not going to be able to while I'm on the ship. I actually got called, and they're like, we, we got a small favor to ask you while while you're on the ship. Can you stop the Trump bashing so oh, much? Yeah. Because I was like, really? And they're like, yeah, we're, you know, because we we're international. You know, water's there, and people are going to Google you and Google the thing. And because we, we they're international wanna... waters, that's the lamest excuse I've ever heard. That, that right. To me, that's like that's the, that's the green light to say whatever you want. International waters, baby. Yeah, that's I know. I was really shocked, but I was like, I, I guess I understand. So, but okay, my fake all right, well, let's Facebook get it all now. Let's get it all out of your system now. Um, <laughs> I see you. Okay, I saw you. Let me go over to your Twitter page. Uh, I, you know, okay. First of all, how how vocal are you? Do you like feel, or, or do you just do it to like get it off your chest, or do you feel like okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use my voice, I'm gonna be, you know, I'm gonna do my part in into the zeitgeist. Yeah. Which is no, it? I mean, I just 
you know, I like to get in debates, debates, arguments, or whatever social media is for. No, nobody changes anybody else's mind on there. But I'll go do like fundraisers here. Here we've been to a few of the protests. Guy when he was first elected, uh, we went to a lot of the like a lot of the protests right off the bat. It was just. You know, but um, I, I liked your. I don't really use it in my stand-up or anything. I, uh-huh. I'm not a comic that way. It's but. more just for your on your Twitter and stuff. Like I, I yeah. saw I. I saw the recent one you, where you tweeted to Tommy Lauren about oh, yeah. about she just got owned on Twitter, um, which, yeah, she did. She totally got owned with that whole genealogy thing. Um, oh. But do you get a lot of f- feedback, a lot of heat uh, on this, or or what? Sometimes I get in, uh, some pretty good arguments on there. I, nothing that's affected me. Personally, my friend Jay, though, I don't know if you remember a guy, this was in December, who went to the Disney Hall of Presidents and heckled the Trump puppet, Trump no, robot. No, I don't remember that. Was he, that a friend he of yours? Yeah, he <laughs> filmed himself yelling, lock him up, lock him up. And that was a friend of mine. And he was not, he made, he went viral fast. He was on Hannity, like, like they were making fun of him on Hannity, on Fox News, he was everywhere. And so the epic thread of like, thousands and thousands of comments on that was that was crazy because then we were getting death threats to to us and to the theater we work at and things like that we're going to show up there and guns blazing you're going to pay for what you did it's like he yelled at a robot guys what the, the <laughs> and then um the guy was it tony anamonic or whatever uh how's he, that guy that does trump andrew? so well or andrew yeah andrew yeah are you yeah. are you friends with him yeah, I well, I know through through the People's Improv Theater. I'm not. Um, I, I know actually two other Trump impersonators too. I, I know oh, yeah. Andrew very loosely, but mm-hmm. my other friend David Carl does um, Donald Trump as King Lear. He has a one man King Lear show, but he has Trump doing it. Yeah, yeah. And then my other friend John DiGermanico is a Trump impersonator. He's, he's all over the place. He does it for Conan and like and like he's like. He's a little torn because he's like he doesn't, not a huge fan, I guess. But he's like it's job security. He's like the worse he gets, the more work I get, and I don't know how I should feel about that. I was like, you should feel good about it. Feel good about it, you know. So you, he's always going to create more jobs, and there you go. Yeah, there you go. He's the one guy to get definitely has job security thanks to Trump. So you personally know three different Trump impersonators who are professional Trump impersonators. That's impressive. Um, Oh yeah. Do you have I know any... more Trump impersonators than supporters, so that's good. <laughs> Do you know any uh, Kim Jong-un impersonators over there? Uh, no. Because, yeah. No. There's, there's... But if, I, 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 if I put on a few more pounds, maybe, I, you know. <laughs> You'd have to dye your hair, you know. But that haircut, you could you could work that haircut, probably. Oh, yeah. What's the, what's the uh, temperature like? Politically in your neighborhood, people chill. Or are they oh, freaking out or what? Oh, I don't know. I think everyone's just not shocked by anything anymore, and just like, oh, what did he do? Mm-hmm. Okay, get out there and vote. Okay, I'll vote too. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, it's nobody's. It's just, and then going back to Texas. Oh my God, just parts of Texas are just red hats. You know. Oh yeah. So tell me about that. Did you feel yeah. um, vulnerable? Did you feel um, 
unsafe? I never felt unsafe, but I felt like this could take a turn if I actually started speaking out, you know? Yeah. Um, we were at one restaurant and the bartender was telling us about a guy that was there at the end of the bar that earlier was uh, yelling at one of the bus staff, saying something like, you're lucky Trump lets you stay in this country. And she was like, I have papers here. I, I'm a citizen and he wouldn't let up and wouldn't let up. And it, I really, and since I didn't witness it and the guy was like leaving, I really, I really wanted to say something, but uh, you know, he was big guy. But if I had, I witnessed, I probably would have said something, you know, mm. but I just like had a, I, that just doesn't happen here. I haven't seen that here. Um, yeah, but, uh, I remember yeah. that feeling. And, you know, that's the thing. It's been a long time since I was uh, in Texas. But I remember that feeling where, you know, there's a lot of freedom. You can still – it's not like it's uh, like every single person you meet there is, is a red hat wearing, redneck uh, – hate spewing uh hate monger but especially the group we hung out of course yeah but the weird thing is it's like that is one of the things one of the experiences that i remember is like you can find yourself in situations where all of a sudden you're like oh i am the minority here i know i everyone else here believes a totally different set of facts and has a completely different worldview and if I were to express myself, I might buy, might be physically in danger. Yeah, which is ridiculous. It I is guess. ridiculous. And to, now I'm I'm so glad I'm out of that situation. But I do remember it. It's it's it seems absurd to describe it that way, but that's really the way it is. Yeah. How is it there? And how, what do they think of America now? Singapore. Oh well, people think. I mean. People think Trump's a joke, pretty much. Um, yeah. You know, every time he says that people were laughing at America before and that now that he's put things right, I mean, things could things could not be more untrue. You know, right. even though uh, most people here really, we are about as far away from America as you can get before you start getting back closer to America, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it, it, it is kind of eye-opening and interesting to, to realize how little some people here even think about america you know it's really not in everyone's daily life so Mm -hmm. but i mean people clearly think trump is a a joke uh, in a way you know he's like well people pretty much universally think that he's not qualified and not presidential um, yeah. But other than that, a lot of people don't think anything beyond that. They're just kind of like, oh, haha, you know, that right. look, that U.S. has a TV star as president, and then they go back to their daily lives and they don't really think about it anymore. Uh, that sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But boy, that whole, uh, you know, the fact that he's supposed to be, or he was going to be coming here to meet Kim Jong un, although. Just as of today, that that's been called into question. But yeah, the very fact that for at least for about four or five days, the plan was that there's going to be this Trump Un summit in Singapore has really, I mean, it's huge. If if it does happen, and even just for the few days that people thought it was going to happen, it's like wow, things are ratcheting up quickly here mm-hmm. because. If it does happen, it will it will be the single biggest thing to have happened here probably ever. You know, yeah. And yeah. Um, 
like things people are scrambling to get ready for it. If it if it never happens now, it will be a funny, funny footnote of history. Oh uh, yeah, isn't it all just gonna be a funny, funny footnote of history? <laughs> yeah. well, this is why I'm drinking Umaretto at eleven. Yeah, right. As long as we can keep the nuclear uh bombs from going off, uh, then at least we'll have something. Well, is it, as long as he doesn't tweet any more nicknames, we'll be fine. Uh, okay. Why can't he just stay the host of The Apprentice? He was fine on that. Fine. Yeah, you know, well, I heard one theory that this whole presidential bid was just to increase his uh, contract with The Apprentice. Well, he didn't want to win. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Maybe it still might happen. <laughs> just wait till the next season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The next season of America. <laughs> yeah. That's what it's become, really. Yeah. It is America, the reality TV show. Mm-hmm. Hope it doesn't get canceled. I don't know. The ratings are pretty bad. <laughs> and the cast sucks. So. Yeah. Really, yeah, it's time. It's time for a revamp, a new yeah, cast. Yeah, need to re- reboot America. <laughs> That's right. People can stuff. reboot every other show. Let's time. Let's reboot the country. Yeah, and put it on Netflix, and we're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. If we, can just get, if we can just get Netflix to solve this problem. That's it. Stranger Things three, America. <laughs> 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 Ay yo. So anything else you want to talk about? Oh, how about this whole Thanos guy, right? He's really... Oh, okay. Let's talk about comic books for a while. Uh, okay. Because, yeah, that's one thing that you have been a comic book guy for as long as I've known you. And yeah. we even did a college film together where I cast you as the comic book kid in a little student film I made way back when. Yeah. And um what was it Mime and the Monster? No, the Monster was, and the It was called uh <laughs> Life Size I actually had it open here, just a scary life size monster ghost. Yeah, right. The, the thing that you could buy in the back of the comic books. And it's funny. And then Mike Valeri was in it, right? Yeah, yeah, the, Mike Valeri. <laughs> and um so I have this whole Marvel renaissance that's happened, you know, with since Disney bought Marvel, I really have not, I've really not been on board. And so that's another way where I see like culture drifting away. Um, I just can't get into it really. Um, and so this whole, like, yeah, I know the Avengers Infinity War is enormous, one of the biggest films of all time. And you've got Thanos, the, uh, what is he, the master of the universe or the god of fate or the, what is he? The, He's just the, the mad titan. The mad titan. Okay, the mad titan. Um, yeah. And I just can't get into it anymore. Um, I did enjoy the Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was a fun romp. Uh, very entertaining. But... Um, yeah, I just can't 
and I was really never that much into what, the superhero. What like what, I'm just curious. What, what don't you like about it now? The DC universe sucks. That's we can agree on, right? But sure. Uh, I'm, I'm, well, you know, I guess the um, what it, the core thing that it comes down to right now in this day and age is the whole sort of hero having a having a costumed hero that's going to save the day. Um, mm-hmm. is so clearly an escapist version of life where we have no heroes anymore. And it to me, it almost seems like a perverse kind of sad um, parody of life to think that there's going to be anybody to save us at all, let alone someone wearing a costume. And I, you know, I, what the sad thing is, I, I feel too old to enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to, knock anybody not trying to spoil anybody's fun but uh, yeah no i dig i i really like him um i think because just if it was like brand new heroes that i didn't know and it was a new universe starting from scratch i probably wouldn't be into it but just seeing everything that i've read come on screen is pretty i I mean i enjoy it that's the way you don't feel any um you don't feel that it's any or do you th- you feel that they've done justice to the original idea, original spirit of the characters? Yeah, I, I do. I okay. think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and again, it's like anything. Like I was saying, it's oversaturated. I don't do. Did we need the Ant Man movie and you know, you know, eighteen movies before this one? I, I don't know. Iron Man three wasn't great. You know, there's going to be some clunkers, but overall, I think they're doing a good job. Well, you know, I do want to see Black Panther. I haven't seen it yet, but I've I've read enough reviews where it seems like that is quite a bit of a of a gra- of a groundbreaking kind of sh- film that seems like it's yeah. can stand alone on its own right as something new. Yeah. I do want to see that. Um, yeah, you I, don't really have to see all the other ones. And I did like Guardians of the Galaxy, and even Guardians of the Galaxy Two was fun. Um, but you know, I'm like I would, I was never that much into the hero comics. Like to me, and I think a lot of people our age will find will agree. I loved like the '60s Adam West Batman. You know, where yeah. I watched that as a kid and took it totally literally. Like, didn't get any of the humor. Watched it completely unironically for the bad guy versus good guy stories that they were telling and then completely segued at what age I can't remember but whether it was 9, 10 or 11 into seeing it as a funny meta take on the whole thing and thought it was great and I kind of like feel like okay that's great that's enough <laughs> you know I, I've i done it I've got the I've got the whole superhero thing down um, yeah then I just uh, you know when I was a comic book kind of comic book store type of dwelling person I would just always go for like kind of the weird sort of one-offs the things that didn't make sense that weren't part of any kind of uh, big franchise like uh, um, this is pretty obscure I don't know if did you ever see the comic called Amazing Man yeah yeah (laughs) you're aware of Amazing Man I had a friend from from Plano uh that I can, I can hardly remember his name. I think it was like Mike Robles or Roblio or something. He introduced me to Amazing Man, which I thought was just great. And um, mm-hmm. another comic called Gregory. Remember that one? Hmm. 
Gregor was just this weird comic about like a kid in a straight jacket, like in a padded cell. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, they, they still have some fun one shots out there. There's some, there's some comics. Yeah. So I always would the, the to me the beautiful thing about comic book stores is that you could go in there and have your eyes open to stuff that you wouldn't see anywhere else at all yeah. in the whole world. Um, and I just never really got into the superhero stuff, but you know, that's just me. Yeah. Except for Adam West, which God yeah. rest God rest and, his soul. It's like now it's funny. Like if you see a kid reading a comic book, you're like, "Why are you reading this? This is for adults now." Like they don't <laughs> yeah. make true you know, Adam West one. Like everything's so dark. Gotham is dark. Like The Walking Dead is dark as fuck. You know, it's like, oh yeah, what's for kids? Oh yeah, I mean, I I okay, I'll I'll go down the Walking Dead path. When that show came <laughs> out, when that the when that uh, series premiered. I watched the first episode and totally got hooked. I mean, really, really hooked. And, like, was so into it for, like, two or three seasons, or maybe even more, until... Okay, yeah, it was was the season finale before, um, like, where the whole... What Egan character was introduced, right? Is that his name? Yeah. Uh, Megan, yeah. Megan, yeah. So at the end of that series, in the end of that um, season... I was like, okay, I get it. The the humans are the Walking Dead. We're all horrible. Things are things are as bad as they can be. Life sucks. I don't need to watch anymore. You know, there's there's no yeah. hope. I've given up hope. I've, I and then it, from that moment, I was like, I can't watch this anymore. It's like I don't. If I want to see people killing each other with no hope of survival, then I'll watch the news. Yeah. Whoa! Commentary, <laughs> yeah. and I've used that before. I mean, that's I'm becoming hack. I'm repeating my own lines, but that's yeah. uh, that, yeah. that's that's legitimately how I felt at the time. But I you still know, watch because I'm stubborn. I just watched to say I've watched it. You know, are you still you know, watching, watching Walking Dead? Yeah, even though it's it's fallen into a huge pattern. It's like this is our place. Now we live here. We're safe. Uh oh, that person wants this place. Now we oh, fight. Yeah. Now we move on. Now this is our place. Oh, I, don't know. Know. I just. Yeah. That's another thing about Walking Dead. It did become. It started to fall into the whole uh, television series traps of like almost like seventies TV. You know, like bad seventies hour long action series. Um, there would always be these shows you'd walk or maybe watch. Maybe even from more from the sixties, where the hero would just go in and there'd all there'd be all these like bad guys that he could fell with like one punch, you know? And mm-hmm. I felt like the zombies were kind of becoming like that. Like they're just these set pieces, these props. And, you know, they're kind of like, it's just becoming too routine. Like, okay, going to come in, dispatch the zombie here, this one there. And uh, then we'll move on to, to page, page six or whatever of the script. Yeah. They just kind of became like roaches or something. Yeah. So it's like, but, but, um, I do have three kids, and uh, I've got to say there's some good shows out there for them. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've watched the new Magic School Bus uh, that's on Netflix, but that show rocks. That is a great show. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the new adventures mm-hmm. of the Magic School Bus. Um, maybe, Kate, I'll, maybe I'll get nice and high and watch it later. You should. You should. I think uh, Kate Mc, <laughs> uh, What's the, the woman from Saturday Night Live? Yeah, Kate McKinnon. Yeah, Kate McKinnon is is the uh, Miss Frizzle, 
and yeah. uh, um, Lin Manuel Lin Manuel Miranda sings the uh, opening theme song. Oh, cool! Okay, and um, it it has all three of my kids, ranging from like five to nine years old. They're all totally into it, and it is so educational. It's crazy. Like it really is very good at getting complex concepts across in an yeah. entertaining fashion to where my five year the youngest will repeat some of the stuff from the show and it freaks me out i'm like what what did you just say you know he'll be like <laughs> oh well that's you know that must be because it's in the dna you know and i'm like what what did you just say <laughs> kids are smarter yeah they are uh, master chef junior and like there's eight-year-olds that are filleting salmons and like making couscous and i'm like i i I didn't do. I was shoving action figures up my nose yeah, at that age. Like that. Are you so smart? That freaks me out a bit too. Yeah. That the the whole there. I have friends who have kids who are like nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Like for the, I have one friend for his son wanted. I think it was his thirteenth birthday. He wanted a a mix master. You know, a kitchen master mixer, like a thousand dollar mixer, and he got it. And then he bakes like fantastic things. Because that's what he wants Ooh, to do, and he learned it all by watching TV and YouTube. And like, that's crazy. Yeah, it's like, yeah. At that time, at my age, I would not have known of any thousand dollar piece of equipment to buy. You know, <laughs> in in any field, really. No, let alone how to, to use it. I was like, can I just get every GoBot there is? And then uh, I'm, I'm an idiot. Yeah, I collected Smurfs for a while. <laughs> I think. <laughs> and if anybody wants to come on the MSCC side, I'm there from June 24th to September 24th. Okay, yeah, MSCC side, you say, departing from yeah. Miami. Yep. Is it like oh a. Uh, you got some activity going on there, huh? Um, yeah. Is it like a comedy cruise, or you're just part of the entertainment package? Of no, the- we're just part of the entertainment. It's like a huge ship, but so they had, I think. Broadway shows and magic shows and stuff. Wow. This is the joys of living in an apartment with yeah. a freaking five-year-old that lives upstairs. Now she's in our lobby throwing a tantrum. Oh, man. It makes me feel at home, actually. I feel totally nope. totally down with that. <laughs> um, I'm actually calming down hearing that. Oh, will, will you have internet access while you're out there at sea? Yeah, but it's spotty and it's expensive and... I mean, we dock into Miami every Sunday, so I'll catch up with everything there. But okay, so you'll have like a weekly <laughs> cycle where you yeah, can might catch be nice. up. Might be nice just to be away from it all for for a week. That'll be interesting. Okay, I'll I'll follow you on uh, social media. See what happens with that. Um, yeah, yeah, you might might find out it's the best thing that ever happened, or it might be hell. Uh, yeah, dying to find <laughs> out what's going on out in the rest of the world. Yeah. Okay, well, stay tuned. We'll find out from Rory Scholl how that is. And thanks, Rory. I will talk to you soon. Cool. This is great. Thanks, David. All right. Bye, Rory. Bye. Bye-bye. Someone Else's Memories by Revolution Void and Calm the Fuck Down by Broke for Free are used under a Creative Commons attribution license. <laughs>